Yes, we are doing the thing. Welcome back to another episode of Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. This is your girl, Kylie Too Smart. And sometimes B. We are two beautiful femme, black women out here living our experiences in the world and bringing you our fresh takes on what's going on around us. Yeah, and on, also as, you know, just covering all the things that matter. <laughs> yes, the things that matter, our human experience. Mm-hmm. So how's your week? How's your week, girl? Uh, boy. Um, oh, boy. I feel like I did a lot of things this week. Um, so people, uh, we've recently gotten to, in the Santa Clara County, Orange Tier. Yes. So uh, capacities for indoor spaces have hit 50%. You can now go back to the bar, but drink only. Um, like, I know a lot of arcades and stuff are trying to reopen up like very slowly and add more people in. So yeah, I just, I noticed a lot of change. I just did a, I mean, here's a couple of things. I did a escape room on Saturday. Uh, it was off the couch. Uh, shout out to Panda who runs that place. Uh, he's, he's best friends with uh, Cash. And so he told us that that place was actually gonna get demolished in a few weeks uh because the tech companies bought out the building and bought out the space so they can expand and the building owners that he was leasing from were like yeah we'll take your money and then panda was like but what about my business and they're like but we got money so um so off the couch is definitely a limited um novelty in the bay area it's i think it's probably one of the best escape rooms in the area and and sorry uh panda does a great job with all of the stories that happen like you can do the escape rooms one-on-one or you can do it as a bulk package where they all have a storyline and it kind of turns into an rpg almost yeah i was gonna say like ah that's so exciting especially like i've been missing rent fairs i've been missing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like all of these really immersive creative fantasy worlds and it's just like I feel like escape room is kind of one of those things where it's like you really get to go and just be in this whole other world yeah yeah no and it was really like the what's crazy about each room is for example one room that I'll talk about is called um I think it's just called the bedroom um but it's part of this whole story can called pandemonium or whatever and Mm -hmm. um once you walk in the room everything looks so in place like it's neat it's tidy and so you're like where do I start looking for clues and there's no hints once you once you walk in so you just have to search through a bunch of stuff and find a bunch of weird offsetting items to put two two and two or three to two or whatever two together so um but it's hard because at first you walk in you're like I don't get it nothing's wrong and but you have to keep looking to open these like secret doors you have to open these things up to open like secret entryways so it's it's pretty crazy um but yeah like I had a good time with that and it sucks that that place is getting um demolished very soon in April but uh I believe that off the couch is gonna try to relocate under some different branding so that's a little bit of a spoiler so I hope yeah so I hope he continues to do the work that he's doing now because it was just absolutely incredible and plus man Yeah, plus points. One of those uh, escape rooms are actually named after Cash. It was called Conspiracy. <laughs> it was, yeah. 
I'm like, is there a bean themed room? <laughs> <laughs> there is. There's a bean pitfall or like ball pit. <laughs> so you yeah. jump in and you just, you know, you massage your little feetsies in between little beans. <laughs> Yucky. I can't even tell if you're joking. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I didn't have a chance to do conspiracy, but um, if I did, I did have a, a tour um a, a complimentary tour to take a walk through just so that way i was like wait you couldn't like. even get to see cash's room I, I didn't get to solve cash's room but yeah. i did get to see all the things that were inside it so that was cool um but yeah and i mean other things that are kind of going on with my week i'll talk about this nifty shirt in a second um but we won't bring up <laughs> i want someone to feel the suspense from home um but um <laughs> I want to sh- quickly shout out Jessica Walters, who was, I discovered her much later in her career through Arrested Development and um, and uh, Archer. She was the best dressing mother, type A mother. mother. Oh my God, I love her. <laughs> I love her. Uh, sorry to disappoint, I don't have any quotables, but I absolutely loved everything that she did. And also like when she would wink, my favorite runs are just her like shouting at Sterling. Sterling, Sterling, Sterling! Sterling Martin Mallory Archer. <laughs> yeah, I just, I absolutely loved how she brought life to like the, the mom archetype where she's like really bougie, has like a glass of like a clear glass of whiskey. It's always stressed out by everything that her kids are doing because she is the one that's causing the stress. Like I just, she milks it so hard. It's like the best thing having her on TV to do. And then I just love that she's got like crazy affairs going on. She's uh, like written clearly as like a cougar, a sexy older woman, like, Mm -hmm. and she's still getting it. She's still hottie patati with that real nice body. Okay. Yeah, she she was looking really good, especially for 80. Like she took real good care of herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what her, you know, her, what her regimen is, but, you know, it kind of reminded me of like other women who went, you know, who p- passed away recently, like, you know, Ruth Ginsburg. Oh God, I can't. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Please tell me I'm butchering that. Yeah. I'm butchering that. <laughs> RBG. Okay. RBG. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. It's it's whatever, like, okay, guys, listen to me and please hear me out. Whenever I am off camera, I could say things just fine. And then when camera happens, I just can't say shit or remember anybody's names. And I'm like a terrible, terrible person. And I don't sound like I don't know anything. And I'm like, how did I, where did I fail on camera? And you know what this what podcast happened? does for me? You know what this podcast does for me and helps does me it get make better? You it helps me get better. <laughs> helps me sing the blues of how shitty I am when (laughs) so that's where I'm at right now I'm off I'm absolutely just really really bad at at talking but but this is where this is where why I do this like I do this so that way I get better practice in and even though if I'm making a little bit of an ass of myself I just get better right do the thing (laughs) do it my god you're doing it you're creating today congratulations yeah we're you have accomplished today. something today i hope Nothing i hope else. mallory archer is proud of me like that's yes. all i want and i will buy a banana in her honor 
<laughs> no, but seriously, rest in power, uh, Jessica Walters. Thank you so much for being absolutely hilarious and wonderful on screen. Um, so Kylie, how is your week? Um, this week has been a real combination of just like highlights, lowlights. Life is a roller coaster and I'm just along for the ride sometimes. Um, so uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you will have seen that I posted that I was trying to buy my grandmother's house. Um, yeah, yeah. This has been yeah. an ongoing endeavor. It has been an ongoing endeavor. Um, and I had gotten some good news. I'm in a situation where it's just like, you know, there's a trustee and, you know, my father is an unknown drug addict. He's, you know, active in his addiction. And um, my trustee had like really tried to take advantage of that situation and basically step in and like buy the house for himself. And so my brother and I stepped up to the plate, you know, we put it in a bid and an offer for this house and he's just making it really difficult, like at every step. So yeah. it's been a fight at every step. And I just got like an extension of time and I'm like 95% complete. Like I'm ready. I'm so ready. Um, but it makes me think of like the reasons why this um, house is so important to me the connections with generational wealth, um, the community that I'm trying to build um, mm -hmm. out of you know, this home and really like facing a lot of the racism and gentrification that has happening right. um, in a lot of black communities. It's definitely happening where I am um, and experiencing that firsthand uh, has been eye-opening. But like I said on Facebook, it's like, you don't realize how strong you are um, when you're going through the tough times, but people, you're, you are so capable, everyone, you are so capable of doing more than you think you can, and you have more support than you think that you do. Like, that's something that's really um, been brought to the forefront of my mind is just like, man, there's so many people who actually genuinely care. And so that has been like a source of peace. Um, and I was like, I'm really happy. I, I got my extension for that. And then, Yay. you know, I'm graduating school April, like a few days <laughs> yeah no that's the, what you're doing is really hard um it's it's absolutely difficult I would say to try to buy your grandmother's house dealing with all the obstacles that you've been hit getting hit with doesn't help that you know fortunately like it's not, it's not a uncommon story that you have a parent that tries to get in the way and that parent's never done anything for you during your whole life. So it's like, you're trying to jump over that loop and then you're trying to jump over another hoop and then you're trying to cross through a bunch of fire just to get one thing that, that is the most important is getting that house because it's, it's basically, it would be best if it's under your hands. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, um... Like I, there's so many good things that I want to do, you know, with my time and what I, what I see happening with that space, that home has always been um, a rock in this mm -hmm. community and has been a, a, a historical place. You know, mm -hmm. my grandparents housed artists and musicians and authors and you know, people from the Black Panther Party came through there, that house, there's been meetings held at that house. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it has a lot of history and, um, a lot of potential for good. And it's only been the past years, past few years, you know, that my father was in there. My grandma had passed like three years ago. And so 
since that time on, you, he essentially like had turned it into a trap house and the police were gonna take it. And it took a lot of work for my brother and I to actually kick everyone out, to clean everything up. Um, just like real work, <laughs> just solid work, doing the things. And um, just to be this close, like we're reaching the final end. I'm just hoping that speaking out will keep my trustee um, a little more ethical and just a little more aware that, you know, I, I'm speaking to lawyers and I'm doing things the right way and I'm not doing anything out of malice. You know, I, I let them know, like, hey, like, yeah, you've had to deal with a shitty situation as well. And I'm willing to pay you and compensate you for this. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, your role is, as a trustee is to do what is best for the beneficiaries. That's my father, my brother, myself. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the best thing. It's COVID, you know. My brother lives in Hawaii. He's a musician, but he also is based out here. And this is our our base of operations out in the West Coast. Like, this is what we do. I'm completing. I was like, I let him know. I was like, I, I'm returning to home with purpose, you know, with the education, with experience. Um, there's things that I, I want to do. And this this home is security. Right. This home is security. And it doesn't, what make, what doesn't make sense to me is that it was like, you he really thought that nobody was paying attention. Yeah. Like you really thought we were going to let you just buy this house and then flip it yourself. And then how do we benefit from that at all? Like we don't. <laughs> so if you're going to try and flip this house, if you're going to try and sell it for cheap and on the low, then I'm going to put in a bid to buy it. Like that's just, yeah. So to to everyone out there um, who's going through some tough times, you can do it. There are people behind you and in your corner that you probably don't even know that that are there. And maybe the one thing that is separating you from accomplishing some of your goals is the fact that you aren't actually speaking up and you aren't actually asking for um, help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I, I turned to you, like you invited me to go on that run. And I was like, I just couldn't do it. I really wanted to. And now hearing that they're going to be closing in April, I'm just like, oh man, I really should have gone with you. Uh, no, but I had it's, to- uh, it's okay. <laughs> the reason why I didn't make any stress on it is because of the fact that like, I know he's going to open something else. So yeah. he's going to open something else. We'll get that experience. And there's also, there's other, uh, escape rooms within San Jose, um, that I have gone to and done a couple of their rooms and it's just as fun. Like, it's just as fun, just like running around, putting your, I mean, not in this climate. I wore gloves, luckily. They offered gloves for us to wear, but putting your hands on everything. Um, so then that way you can solve all the little puzzles and stuff. But yeah, we'll have another chance. But this is more important. Like, this is more important. Yes, and I, I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been any fun for you guys anyway, because I had found out that um, my friend had lost her baby. Um, trigger warning out there, if you guys are really sensitive, but, you know, she had carried and had to give birth to her baby and didn't didn't last, um, it was like an hour. And it was preterm, she she has a Hashimoto's disease, which is a... Um, it's a very, it's a it's a thyroid disease. I just blanked. Yeah, I was like, it's a thyroid so it kind of hits, yeah. Hashimoto's, it hits close to me dealing with like my PCOS. So there was just a lot of things, especially with the fact that um, I am dealing with PCOS and so fertility is is high on my mind and babies now. I feel like mm-hmm. I got my 30s and all of a sudden it's like everybody has kids and people oh, still ask totally. me about children and ask me about getting married. I'm just like, can you, can you not? Because you don't know what I'm going through. 
And every yeah. time someone asks me, oh, when are you having kids? Or when are you, I'm like, it's none of your business. And you don't even know if I can have kids. I don't even know if I can have kids. This yeah. is not a conversation I really want to have with strangers. So yeah. people, mind your business. Don't be asking. This is like, don't be asking about people's genitals. Don't be asking about people's uteruses. <laughs> like, if you don't know me, then. I mean, why if, are you if, if I'm having kids? In a way, it is one of those things that we're kind of the first generation that is straight up just like, hey. Stop asking me. <laughs> stop asking me. Uh, stop condemning me if I don't want them. Uh, it's it's more of, there's more of a outcry of us who are like, leave me alone about children. Like children is not my priority. I don't have to have children. What is it going to do? I'm not like a status seeker to, with children. Like I don't need kids. I mean, and then it's just like, there's so many kids out there when I do decide that I want to have children, even if they're not my biological kids, I can adopt. There are so many people. There's so many babies out here. There's so many kids out here who deserve a loving home. And it's just like, mm -hmm. why, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. 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 No, there's many options. And I, I also love the idea of adoption because, you know, if there's a child that needs love and mentorship and, you know, a stable roof, uh, and even like stable, like an emotional support and, you know, uh, monetary support, like why not, why not adopt? Yeah. You know, like I, uh, this whole, like, it has to be a biological child is like this whole, like, Hey, like, come on. Like, I don't know. I just, I think I get upset. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just hope that there aren't families out there that feel like that they're too good to have children. Uh, because of an obstacle that prevents them from having children um and then there's like the whole thing where they there needs god I cannot talk today I guess what I'm trying to say is is you know there's other options than just giving birth you know there's a lot of like there's a lot of health things that prevent a lot of women from having children but also like you know it's it's one of those things like it's up to it's up to you it's up to them like it's not a it's not a requirement of being a human and living on earth yeah. like what my body my choice my body my choice yeah god i was really just trying to say like have kids if you want <laughs> just don't have push them it on if me. you want them yeah no like, i there is a lot of mamas out there that are always like pressing on their on their daughters being like so when are you gonna have grandkids and i'm just big face palm I'm like i'll have them when i'll have them you know like leave me alone never like, I want to enjoy my life. Like, you know, I, I've gone and traveled and I'm sure you've gone and traveled and I want to see a bunch of things. Like the moment that a child comes into the world, you're going to have spit and shit all over you the entire time. And you're indecent. You can't go out anymore. You're spending 45 I mean, you minutes to get all cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hilarious. it's all up to take on children. <laughs> Like my little I, bundle just, of shit joy. Yeah, my little bundle of shit joy, my miracle shit. Like I just that's <laughs> I love kids, but I also understand that I I've had kids in a sense where I would only see them 30 minutes to an hour at a time. I never had them for 24 hours or even 12 hours out of the day because of, you know, schools or whatever, like having them public schools ha having the kids while parents are out at work. But I understand what I've only had a taste of what it could be full-time and I don't want that right now. I was like, you have siblings. So it's like, it's not like you don't know. You know what I mean? My nine-year-old ass definitely knows like cooking mac and cheese at six o'clock, making sure that they are dressed and making sure that they go shower. You know how hard it is to get a little boy to shower. 
They hate showers. They don't want to get fucking clean. They just want to like fucking run around and then climb all over you and fart on you while you're watching Toonami. They do not <laughs> want to fucking listen to you. They're like, fuck showers. <laughs> I remember when I was nine trying to get my little brother to do what the fuck he was supposed to be doing and he just wouldn't do it because he's like, you ain't my mama. And I'm like, okay, okay. I guess you don't get your mac and cheese and chicken nuggies tonight. You're not going to get the little, chicken nuggies. <laughs> you're not going to get your little chopped up hot dogs with ketchup and fries. Like you little shit, go make your own. And he's like, but I'm not tall enough for the stove. You know, I just, I just, in my mind, I'm like, oh man, Eventually, they'll see this episode and just be like, "Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, let, let's be real about parenting. Like, once you're a parent, like, that's, that turns, that's a full-ass commitment, you know? And also, as a parent, like, I'm not saying that, that you're never going to have a break. Well, it's true. You're not really going to have a break, but there are ways to a strategize a break, like, you know, making sure that you find a babysitter or, you know, you ask a homegirl being like, hey, can you take my kids for a night so I can take a break and do that like at least once a month? So, <laughs> so I can have a life. So you're not going crazy or you're getting your like ADHD mixed up with exhaustion. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I also just wanted to say, um, like, you look amazing right now. Stop. Your makeup, your Stop. hair. Did you look so cute? Like, ah, eat it up. Stop. More, more, more. No, you look amazing. You look so beautiful. Thank <laughs> Your you. makeup. Thank I was you. intending on doing a look today, but life was like. That's okay. I see you in your free the titty look. Like, you're all good. Oh, free the titties. <laughs> I did a Kakashi. I did a Kakashi look. You um, did, and it looked so good. I so absolutely fun. loved it. I was like, it's my little baby steps into cosplay. Like, yeah, I I'm love the it. red contacts. I love, I love the uh, the scar on your eye, and even you had like the 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 silver um the silver hair wax. Were you wearing hair wax? Yes, I was. Yeah, the silver hair wax is so good. I love using it. It's yes. it's really really good. And for me, I was like, uh, I feel like I got this like crazy volume maybe like a day or two after it's mm -hmm. been like just sitting I'm just like oh this looks so cool yeah your hair's coming along it's coming <laughs> fun it's fact like things. our our lady blurred's logo is flipped now like <laughs> I'm the one with the blonde hair now and Kylie is the one with <laughs> with the brown yeah. hair it's it's really insane how we how we switch we need to talk about switching the hair consistency too with the right <laughs> switch it up oh my gosh all right um yeah i'm speaking of switching it up speaking of switching it up let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh some current events um some disappointing news about us <laughs> on disappointing news you know we we the people do the work to always go 10 steps forward and some fucking bully is always going to push us 11 steps back because they don't believe in human rights, but they also, but they also believe that black people don't deserve shit. So going into that, um, uh, a black legislator from Georgia, Georgia state representative park cannon, uh, knocked on the door of Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, to stop him from signing an anti-voting bill in Georgia. 
because we all know that Georgia had to go through some fucking bullshit during the elections of Biden versus Trump, um, that they had to re-vote whether if their state was blue or red. And there was a lot of voter oppression going on, a lot of lines, a lot of closing the polls early, a lot of limited polls in different regions. Like we can just name it. Like people waiting in line in the snow just to vote. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. And the thing that gets me is just like, I don't understand how people can justify some of the things that are like written into the bill. I mean, we're talking like, oh, you can't give people who are waiting in like these incredibly long lines, like food or water. Yeah. Like they can't have water while they're waiting in line. And it's just like, how dehumanizing <laughs> can we get a, and it's just like, we've already been through this. This is you know, Jim Crow 2.0. Right. You know, we know what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. It's blatant. It's in our faces. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so this this woman uh, stormed through Georgia's capital to stop this, and immediately the state troopers grabbed her to arrest her. There was tons of videos of this woman getting dragged out of the building because she wanted to stop this this bill. And like, who the fuck even like thought it was a great idea to even come up with this? Like, well, to come up with this overnight. Like, what I don't get is like she all she has security clearance. She works, you know what I mean, to roam the Capitol. She works there to ring his bell office and then knock yeah. on the door. It's like she has security clearance. So for them to drag her the way they did was like it's just racist. Like you, you can, there's no way. There's no way. To, yeah, there's no way to say oh it wasn't racist or no it wasn't like you know it was because she was disturbing a meeting no it wasn't even that at all this was simply a racist act of keeping black people oppressed in georgia like this is this bill being signed is another step backwards where they feel it's okay for voters to like be parched or not feel equipped enough to go vote for what they feel is the best. It's supposed to be about the people and this man is making it about himself and his white ass supremacist supremacist peers. Like it's very xenophobic. It's very um, racist. There's no other way to explain this. Like (laughs) how are you gonna arrest the only black, like how are you gonna arrest this black woman who's really trying to stop this, you know? How are you gonna, I mean, even if it wasn't her, if it was somebody else, it doesn't matter. Like the contents of this bill like are really just to show like, oh, people who aren't able to stand in line. Like, you know, we're talking people who are disabled. We're talking about people who are the working class. And I'm talking about people who are making minimum wage of maybe a dollar higher. Like we're talking about people who, <clears throat> who might have kids, you know, and can't find a sitter to bring their child to go vote. And like, you know, kids have already have a hard time standing around speaking of kids, <laughs> you know, like we're talking about average American people. And, and so like, this is like, was one of those things that it was not the signing this bill wasn't to be like, oh, we're preventing, you know, loitering or, you know, or no, not loitering, uh, littering or, you know, like whatever fucking excuse, it doesn't matter. They were just upset that Georgia turned blue and that they're like, what the fuck? Why can't we stay racist? <laughs> you know? and I mean, the thing is like, they charged, they're charging her with a felony. They shouldn't. Like immediately. That doesn't make any sense. 
in, why? The, in a small amount of time, like we can't get, we can see someone literally murder um, black, a cop, we can see cops murder black people on camera all the time. All the time. But they, we can't get charges brought up against them. Mm-hmm. But we can immediately bring up felony charges against the woman for knocking on a door. Like, yeah. Like, and she wasn't yelling, she wasn't making a scene. She was literally just being like, hey, knock this shit off. Hey, y'all motherfuckers in here. The fuck are you doing? I want to tell you about a few things. And that's what she was probably going to start the whole thing off. But, and I'm. Uh, Let me explain something to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it could be even, doesn't even have to be that. It could just be like, listen, what you're doing is wrong. And what you're doing affects the people. And what you're doing is not making a fair vote. Like, this isn't. This isn't, you know, obvious, like, uh, I, as much as we want to explain it, we can just say that this is wrong. Like this fucking- It's wrong. It's racist. It's wrong. It's wrong. It yeah. shouldn't happen. It's racist. It's wrong. And then Governor Brian Kemp should be voted out. Like he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be Georgia's state governor or whatever the fake. Get out. You know, everybody in the ATL trying to party it up because they probably like, you know, went to another tier where they can be more social. Put that energy in that capital. Like stop partying and go to that capital. Storm the capital. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of just more racist, terrible current event news. Hiring board. First of all, before you even say anything, like who is, okay, we're going to talk about us particular uh, police force and we're going to keep it close to home. And we already know how I feel about close to home police forces, but who, who in the city of fucking San Jose said that was okay and didn't do their fucking research? Licardo. Yeah, so uh, new SJP chief, Tony Mata, was voted in unanimously, of course. Unanimously. Um, Great. Unanimously. Great. Of course. Great. Of course. Um, and the blanket statement. It's beautiful. <laughs> Go on. Uh, this individual uh, is already, like, currently facing a lawsuit for his transphobic behavior against another SJPD officer. And um, this case is ongoing, and it's just like, all right, so you have that. So the LGBTQ plus community in San Jose is just like, fuck this guy. Um, the Black Lives community, Black Lives Matter community is just like, fuck this guy because he's he's a killer cop. You know, back in what I want to say it was like 1999, um, he killed a young black man. There have been more cases that he's been involved in where people have been like, hey, this is suspicious. You know, back then he didn't have like the body cameras and everything, but they're looking at his track record like, oh, I'm seeing all of these things that are popping up that are pointing and indicating that you are a violent individual, that you are a racist individual, that you're an Islamophobe, um, it can go on. There was a protest, of course there was, Mm -hmm. um, against him and uh, the fact that he's being elevated to this position, being the person that he is. And I really wanna um, say thank you to assembly member, Alex Lee for speaking out Mm -hmm. um, about this and publicly just being like, you know, this, this man, this person, this individual is not here to serve and protect this community. And he does, he doesn't belong in a place of power and leadership. This, um, 
I want to go just my only comment about this, like electing this guy or having this guy take over police chiefs, Eddie Garcia's position only enables the vile actions of police officers such as Jared UN, who I still don't know if he was actually fired. And I mean, look, if, if look at the case of David Tobar, right? This has mm-hmm. just happened January shot in the back running away how are you going to expect mata to hold this cop responsible when he himself has a history yeah you know of getting away with it yeah you can't uh so (sighs) um shout out to hero tent for still organizing um protests and you can please, please, please go to their page on Instagram um, and you can find some petitions to sign if you're so inclined to help us get this mm-hmm. asshole out of office. Um, Why was he even considered? Like, I don't understand where someone's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Because it reminds me old, of fucking jazz musicians. I mean, like, white guy. <laughs> it reminds me, Jesus Christ, it reminds me with shitty older, like, like musicians who just completely disregard that the guy that they're playing with is a pervert, craze after young girls, you know, and hear, hear me out with my whole metaphor, like slash parallel here, but like, not even a metaphor, it's like just true. But like, I've seen men absolutely who are great musicians stick up for the, for another great musician who is also a sleaze bag because oh, he's great. He has a great history of being a musician. He sounds wonderful, but we'll fucking dismiss all the shitty, like, sexual harassment stories. They will not take in regard of the shitty personality. They will not take anything in regard of the history of being violent. They won't, they won't take these into account because of some dumb excuse like, this is the now. It's like, no, no. Why do we excuse history that is has a trend? Why do we excuse history that has obvious red flags? Why do we excuse these things? Because they're a great player. So going back to this, I feel like this was the same fucking shit where it's like, Let's just hire this guy because he's just been, you know. He's been on the force for 30 years. And he's it's just been on like, the force yeah, for 30 but... years. Of course, he already knows the ins and outs of SJPD. Dumb. It's absolutely dumb to not even think about all the other shit that happened in his career. Like, what qualifies him? If he has a lawsuit going on right now, what makes him think that because he's going to conquer the lawsuit somehow, that he makes him a better person? It doesn't. I know someone else in San Jose who's a musician who got sued, and then he's like, oh, but I won the case. I'm like, doesn't matter. You're still a piece of shit because we all know what you did. You're it's still like a the piece rapists who get let off. You know what yeah. I mean? They're like, oh, uh, was it was it Brock? Was it Brock Turner? Was it that asshole? Who, like, oh yeah, he's like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm living. I'm a no. really good swimmer, you guys. <laughs> I really have to work on my swimming career. My dad thinks it, it's too hard on me, man. I'm like, no, and it's you just piece like, of okay. shit. You dragged a girl behind a fucking dumpster and raped her with foreign objects, you asshole. Like, you're still you're a piece still of a shit. You're, you're still, still a rapist. Doesn't matter. System. Like, okay. Everyone still looks at you as a rapist. It doesn't matter if you're like, oh, I got let go. Everything's fine. No, you're still a rapist. You, that girl still was found behind a dumpster. That girl was still like taken advantage of by you. And you're caught by two bicyclists. Just because you won a case doesn't mean that your history is wiped. 
Christopher Columbus was considered a god for so long and now we're finally tearing down his fucking statues. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Ugh. I hate this. So there's that. Yeah, I hate that. I hate this world that we're living in. Um, and other tragedies <laughs> that it's also just, I feel like, bro, this week has been really coming for me on all levels. Um, Beverly Cleary passed on Thursday at like the ripe old age of 104. Um, you know, God bless her. But uh, did you ever read her books? Like you Ramona know? Quibi, Ramona the Pest. Was that ever in your catalog of reading you know it was kind of part of the catalog of um being in fourth grade I think but I don't remember the actual premise of the story but I will say like I I'm glad I had that slice of of childhood with knowing what her books are and she had a wonderful career so I mean that's my comment on that I will comment a little more um, as a woman who is an author, who is writing characters that are relatable to actual women. Mm-hmm. I loved Ramona because I, I identified with her a little bit. You know, she was the odd one in her family. She was more of a tomboy. Um, she just, honestly, it's not even tomboy. Like she just, that she did regular human things. Like she ran around and she played in the dirt and like, she wasn't afraid of like skinning her knee or getting Mm -hmm. worms in her hair and just being a pest. She's a pest because she asks questions because she takes initiative and goes out into the world and just is living her life. Um, it's great. And as Mm -hmm. a, as a young girl, um, who didn't necessarily identify with, you know, hyper feminine gender roles. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed having um, that representation in my childhood. Um, so it was yeah, just pure young shenanigans. It's great. Yeah, I mean, now that you bring that up, that's very true. I mean, it, she was kind of in that genre of like girls getting into shit to get into shit but also yeah. like, there was always there was always kind of some like follow-up with like the curiosity and the and how curiosity is actually really beneficial for your growth um yeah and I mean no. she she messed up but she always there was always like a learning lesson she always came back to her family like she had growth in her stories and, and character development that just seemed so real yeah yeah um, and I think that's why it was great in that catalog because you know what were you doing in fourth grade? Like I'm like who else were you reading about? I'm like Harry Potter. <laughs> no, but like what were you doing in fourth grade? Like as a like as a girl, like it, being in fourth grade, like what were you doing? Um, in fourth grade, I was very much a tomboy. I was playing soccer. I won't even say tomboy. I really feel like these are just human things, right? Like I I was playing soccer. I was playing sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like makeup. I, my brother was my biggest hero. He's 10 years older than me. So I dressed like a little miniature version of him mm-hmm. was listening to all of his music. So fourth grade for me, was like a lot of Nirvana. Um, it was a lot of, um, like Pearl Jam and mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix. Uh, it was a lot of grunge. Like it was a lot of nineties music. Um, it was a lot of t-shirts and shorts and just getting dirty like I was one of those kids I won't say like latchkey kids but kind of you know like we were out we were out 
riding on our bikes or going to the beach. It was also like Hawaii. So it was like, there was surfing. a lot of outside. Yeah. There's a lot of outside. And um, so I was just doing a lot of outside stuff. Like I, I rode horses. Um, yeah. I was doing the things I paddled. I was doing a lot of sports in fourth grade. And <laughs> I was also at a private school that was religious and um, oh, private I got school. caught. Oh, <laughs> private school. Oh, Catholic school. I was caught kissing girls in Catholic school. And oh. Then <laughs> I got sent to the principal's office girl and for being gay. <laughs> and they really like, I did. I still like it. Um, but they sent me to the principal's office for being gay because it was a religious school. And they were like, oh, well, you're too young to make these decisions. And I was just like, fuck you. Uh, women are great. I was like, these girls are beautiful. I was like, I got five girlfriends right now. What you going to do about it? <laughs> My brain bass is not going to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what I was doing. In fourth, in fourth yeah, grade. in fourth grade for me, I was definitely in the dirt a lot um fourth grade was also kind of the beginning of me watching a lot of anime um I was gonna say Sailor Moon like people were running around playing Sailor Moon Spice Girls yeah I was still playing tag outside I was also kind of phasing out from playing tag too but I remember like even slightly before fourth grade I was always outside I was always collecting bugs I was always catching cats I was always catching stray cats. Like, I don't know so what my fucking fascination. <laughs> trying to be a ninja. <laughs> like, I don't know why I was always trying to catch some stray cat that could have had rabies. But, like, I was always, like, running after Tune those Tune in exams. Things. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was also, um, I was catching butterflies. Like, if you were a baller, if you can catch a bee, you're even, like, a god if you can catch a wasp. <laughs> so, I, I, I had a bunch of guy friends. Um, so there was a lot of guy friends that I would hang out because they were the ones who had the cool video games. Um, and even like the girlfriends that I would, that I would hang out with, they had, um, they had just like really cool, like they would always want to talk about Sailor Moon or they would always want to talk about Powerpuff Girls or Pokemon. So that's what I was kind of doing, but I didn't feel like I was getting super nosy. I think I was more nosy as a second grader than I was as a fourth grader. Interesting. I feel like so fourth grade for me was kind of a time of me actually like more actively rejecting like mm-hmm. the Sailor Moon and rejecting like just because I'm I wasn't a, da- a dainty child. I never grew up to be like a dainty person. I've always been like a bigger mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just I just didn't really fit in with a lot of what was popular what's still popular which is you know thin and then it's Hawaii on top of that so there's a lot of Asians and so it was very clicky with like thin Asian prep kids mm-hmm. um so I just didn't fit that physical narrative you know if, if anybody wanted to play Spice Girls it was always Scary Spice I was like I'm just I don't want to be Scary Spice I don't want to <laughs> play the Spice Girls I don't want to play Sailor Moon and then you guys are going to be like oh well you'll just be like I don't know some character that I didn't know because I also didn't have television and couldn't watch and keep up so I don't know I just I didn't start embracing the more feminine sides of myself mm-hmm. until uh college so okay yeah I don't know um that makes sense yeah I, and it's okay to have those like contrasting experiences too because like I remember feeling kind of outcasted by a lot of the skinny girls growing up too um 
like I was skinny up until fourth grade. And that's when like, I think I started my period in fifth grade. So like my hormones were hitting me really, really early. Um, and so like, I felt a shift, like a dynamic shift with like being, being with certain girls and like trying to like, I felt like I had to like weave myself into other people's cliques a lot. Like I felt rejected a lot. Um, yeah. Which was weird. Cause I remember like there was this girl, she was like, she was like the bad bitch of the neighborhood, but her name was Raquel. I hope she's doing well. Like I have not heard, heard about her since like maybe high school, but, uh, she she had this kind of like cheer squad in elementary school that I tried to get into and like I had to be like I had to follow her directions I had to be prompt and it was like you're all a bunch of kids but I'm like why am I being complicit like I just I just want to hang out and have a good time but like in order to be in order to be friends I had to be complicit which was weird um and that was kind of like the weird part of like childhood is like seeing kind of like a a divide in class system between social groups which was weird yes I think um I don't know maybe like because I had to grow up a little faster um in my younger years like I also really struggled uh feeling like I had peers because a lot of the times it was like when you have so many experiences you know they'll they'll tell you like some of the experiences that I had as a child were definitely not appropriate Mm -hmm. um and so I had to be mindful when I was talking to other kids, what is appropriate? Um, And so some of that just turned into, well, it's like, I'm not going to talk to you because, you know, you want to talk about, you know, your, your first crushes or your first experiences and your first kisses and your things like that. But like my, my stories for those are not appropriate for children Mm -hmm. and not appropriate for like the kids who are around me, even though I am a child. Like, so I had that kind of mentality as well. And um, I think that maybe was like a, a little further isolating. But I also like, you had your period young. I had my period when I was eight and I have had breasts since I was eight too. So a lot of the um, like turning away from the hyper feminine things was just being really uncomfortable in my body and like people mm-hmm. feeling so free to comment on it. Like, yeah is weird. <laughs> it's a it weird, weird thing. You know, that, that like, um, boys coming up and like touching your boobs or, you know, cause they're like, Oh, it's new. Or, or if you're, especially if you're the only one in your yeah. class with breasts, boys coming up and touching you, girls coming up and touching you, kids are curious and it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's terrible when, um, especially if you're coming from a background that I was, where it's just like, um, I, don't know how to respond to this other than to like actually like push you out of my space like I fought a lot as a kid I was definitely a fighter (laughs) Um, I was like a wrestler um played football like I had a lot of physical aggression and a lot of anger um that I like it took me a long time to work out you know so like I had a lot of aggression like I was saying and it took me a long time to like kind of navigate those interpersonal relationships and navigate my own identity and experience so but I think that's just a part of growing up I'm sure we yeah. all have yeah it definitely is growing up speaking of people who are growing up uh happy <laughs> birthday to Diana Ross happy Queen. birthday to, oh I'm sorry happy birthday <laughs> do not do not how dare you she just roasted me I roasted you. You 
No, uh, last episode, guys, uh, I started singing happy birthday and I sang the, I did not sing the Stevie Wonder one, shamefully so. The student has become the master. (laughs) We'll make you a meme. What are some things about Diana Ross that you absolutely loved about her? Um, I loved her hair. No, (laughs) I love Diana Ross's voice. Um, I love her class. I love her poise. Mm -hmm. Um, She just, she's an icon and she's a legend. I'm not sure who doesn't know about like who she is. Um, But for those of you who don't know, Diana Ross was born in March 26, 1944. Um, Singer and actress, born and raised in Detroit. Lead singer she was on of that Soul Train. Dreams. I was like, she was on the Soul Train. I was like, if you've never heard of Motown, <laughs> um, she became like one of the most successful acts um, in the 1960s and really kind of uh, rebranded um, how singers are perceived like in the music world. I think, especially for lead women. Mm-hmm. Black women in particular, um, crazy successful solo career has given us hit after hit after hit, single after single after single. Um, I'm sure, like, even if you don't recognize her name, that you would recognize her music. You know, I'm, I'm talking like for like our younger audience, audience members out there. Um, she is, she's got an incredible legacy. Um, and then acting on top of that, <clears throat> the film <laughs> Lady Sings the Blues. Yeah, she was Billie Holiday, wasn't she? She did that biopic, didn't she? <laughs> I don't know about the biopic, but yeah, she did do that. She did do that. She was also on The Wiz. She was Dorothy. She was, I'm like, oh yes, The Wiz, she was Dorothy. I'm like, thank God that you just don't talk about Lady Sings the Blues. How dare you? Even though it's in relation to our title, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Yes. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about it? No, I don't. <laughs> so she was like, no. It's fine. I think she was wonderful in the Wiz. I that's where she was I'm, wonderful. That, in the that's Wiz. that's all I'm gonna say. All right, moving um, she's on. She's in the Guinness Book World of Record, Rock and Hall Fall Hall of Fame, uh, recipient of Kennedy Center honors. She has been named like Female Entertainer of the Century by Billboard in like 1976. Only female artist to have like number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 as a solo artist, as the other half of a duet, as a member of a trio, as an ensemble member. So I'm like- Okay, we get it. She was Beyonce's like trail. We get it. (laughs) Right, she was Beyonce before there was Beyonce. (laughs) She debish. Go check her out. Her discography is insane. You will not be disappointed. And then, she, she's like the gift that keeps on giving because her daughter is like just as wonderful, just as talented, and also has patterned hair care. Um, so the curls, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, I don't think as many women out here would be rocking these big, beautiful, like natural hairstyles if they weren't influenced by her. Right. Point blank period. She really changed the whole um, look of like flat iron hair that was happening in the 60s mm-hmm. and created a like helped curate this new black look in the 1970s this like juicy natural fucking 
black excellence beauty standard that we have now. So yeah. thank you, mama. Thank you. That's all I got absolutely. to say about that. No, absolutely. Thank you, Diana Ross, for paving the way. Like, and then blessing us with Tracy Ellis Ross. Like, just blessing her. us. Just blessing, blessing us. Blackish. We wouldn't have blackish without her. We wouldn't have so many things. I still remember the video of Tracy Ellis Ross, like in a pool, and she's just drinking. And she's having, she's just ha- like having her best life. I, I, I'm like, I want to feel like her. I just want to feel like her. Yeah. All Who right. Doesn't? Moving along to nerdy and dirty. Um, from hair to nair. I mean, from hair to no hair. <laughs> no, from hair to nair. Kylie thinks I might have a compphilia, if I'm pronouncing that right. But I don't think that's the case because it's just by coincidence that I'm dating a man that's bald. How dare you? Okay, so let's first define what is a compphilia. Um, that is the name for the fetish for baldness. I It doesn't like specifically like bald men or bald women. Baldness. So this is all, all across the board. You like bald heads. It's a thing. Ha, 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 ha. How did this happen? How did, how did we happen? even pick this topic? How did, how did, how did people find it? How did, how did people find fetishes in everything? It's like, if there's something that exists, there's a fetish that exists. Like. Yes. I mean, human, human beings, we find ar- arousal in the mundane, I guess. So tell everything. me what's going on with it. Why did you bring this up, Kylie? Um, I didn't bring this up. Somebody over here is dating a sexy bald man. <laughs> no. Um, what's his name? Did they did they say that Prince is it Prince Harry? Oh yeah. Oh my, oh god. my god. Somebody came out and was like, oh, Prince Harry is the sexiest bald man in the let world. Me, now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just give me a second. Just give me a quick twist, go quick second. Just a quick second. While you're no. doing that, I'm gonna tell people that they should check out uh Craig Butler's book he's the author of the b spot <laughs> the examination the of erotic- <laughs> yes bitch the b spot an examination of erotic fixations on bald men extra level of intimacy you know does that have to do with something about the meme of like the guy sucking his old bald head i hope not i hope not i haven't seen so that been grabbing like a man him sucking something and then it's and then it's him sucking a head and then him say, sucking another head. And it's just like this whole suck, like circular, or is it a girl sucking a dick? And then they, mm, I can't remember, <laughs> but it's something about sucking a bald head. That has been brought up. It's funny that you said a girl sucking dick because some of the things that I saw when I was just looking this up was that, um, hi, babe, I'm using your room for my podcast. I hope it's okay. Shout out to my niece, Shelby. She's letting me set up in her beautiful princess domain. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm taking over her kingdom for a while. Um, but so, <laughs> and now I feel like especially bad for what I'm about to say <laughs> because they were like bald men's heads resemble penises, and that's why. Oh <laughs> my god! So in the article Indy 100, Prince William named as world's sexiest bald man according to a study, according to a new Google study written by Greg Evans one day ago, People Magazine. 
<laughs> so no. the son reports that cosmetic surgery specialist lung lung v i don't know whatever conducted the study by searching for how many times the royal had been called sexy in various online blogs and articles around the internet they're getting mixed up with harry the results found that william had been called sexing a whopping 17.6 million times to come out to the top of the folk Vocally challenged gents from around the world. Okay, so here's the here's here's the rub here. <laughs> follicularly, follicularly challenged. I like that. I am upset because I immediately was me was like, I need cash on this list. I need G1 to the rescue on this list. I need Super Jew on this list. And I was just naming all the bald men that I know in my life that I'm like, they need to be on this list. I could say Michael Adusi needs to be on this list. Oh, for those who don't know who Michael Adusi is, he is a wonderful oboist who now lives in Tennessee. Sorry for bringing you up in this podcast. I know you're probably like, what is she doing? But I'm so sorry for <laughs> putting you in my shenanigans. Why he, am I in your nerdy and dirty section? <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to be like, and I'm not going to listen to the rest of this. <laughs> you're not talking about enough Avengers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I'm like, but wait, I need a better list. So I compiled top five of top sexiest men. Yes, please. So let's see. I had Mr. Clean. <laughs> okay, got you, got him. Number two, we had Adult Ang from The Avatar. Oh, you're going there. Okay, daddy. <laughs> Number three, Captain Sisko from Star Trek. Number four, Piccolo. I was waiting for it. I was like, this is. And number five, and number five, ready? Because it's been considered the casting is the most sexiest casting of all time on Twitter from the mummy Hemotep. <laughs> that is my take of sexiest men if we're talking about on a celebrity level and like, also you didn't put vin diesel in there like i feel like vin shut diesel up that's like, obvious i'm sorry yeah that's yeah, obvious what? okay what? okay i'm sorry just knowing the rock okay it's like it's like at putting the rock or vin diesel or like stanley tucci in there that's just too obvious they're they're just too sexy for us to even have on here if we say their names on here our podcast will shut down like we're not gonna put them on this list as oh, for like my Tate fictional list was like, <laughs> the og chocolate crush extraordinaire like i i could have just said i could have said mojo jojo i could have said the the grim reaper from billy and mandy i could have just been like chow tzu let's talk about all the namekians from dragon ball z we'll just add all the namekians over prince prince william or whatever i just don't understand how, where the porno is the for this the man to be considered the sexiest person of the world off of a google study what happened where did we go wrong i'm like was this really a study i don't think so <laughs> i didn't you know what i didn't read too much into it because it's not I fun like, if i did it <laughs> why am i getting genuinely mad here <laughs> oh my gosh so yes i'm happy uh that you have your sexy bald zaddy and that 
we have to talk about this. Um, I touch his head a lot. It's really you, nice. I was going to ask you, I was like, is that, is that a thing? Do you shave his head for him? I help him cut his hair, yeah. Yeah, do you yeah. moisturize, polish? So he has a real sensitive scalp. Um, so it's really hard to use a moisturizer on it because it's really sensitive. So we haven't figured out the cure, but... The cure. Which, but, which medium would be best for him? Right. So we don't know what to use yet. But other than that, like, yeah, he has a nice shaped head. And it's really nice to, like, you know, just do all the nice little intimacy things with my hand. Just like, you know, just kind of nicely caress it from the back or just say I love you or kiss the top of his head. Not suck it. Just kiss it. Yeah, just a nice... <laughs> you ever admire it gleaming in the distance? Oh my god. One time he did act, like grow out his hair really long just because of the fact that it was it was the pandemic and he wasn't going anywhere and he was kind of having like a down downward spiral. And I'm like, I don't know, man, you don't look like the same cash I met back back when right? we met. Hair? <laughs> you look like, like, you look like a different person. Different on someone like it, it it is like really shocking how different we look with just like changing our hair facial hair mm-hmm. body hair all the hairs um yeah. so I look forward to exploring this topic um a little more with you I would really love to have cash on <laughs> next time we talk about maybe we'll just we'll look at some other different um hair fetishes because there's a lot there's, mm-hmm. there's a hair fetish for everything there's a hair fetish for like having a lot of hair. There's a hair, there's a fetish for bushy eyebrows. There's a fetish for like plucking and removing the hair. There's all kinds of things, armpit hair, all of the things. Um, But maybe let's talk about someone who bridges the gap of nerdy and dirty and who has just come out with an amazing video and has not taken anyone's shit for it. Yeah. Yeah, he's been paving the way like he's doing a really great job with like getting more and more comfortable with his sexuality I at first I thought he actually did get real like a real boob job so I was a little like like oh no baby my baby's a himbo or even a, a, just a regular oh, no. himbo <laughs> Don't like, even just a- yeah um however he wants to they I don't know if they genders okay let's be polite here I don't know if Lil Nas X has a preference of gender, but also if he's considered he or she, whatever. I don't care. But also I love the work. So <laughs> I hope someone um, doesn't take. No, I was like, I don't think Little Nas X has come out as trans. I think um, that their pronouns are he. Okay. And no, he, it was I just. Are he, him, and that uh, he identifies as gay. Okay. Well, as a gay well they, were, they were keeping me on my toes <laughs> because when when the boob job happened, <laughs> he did a video where he like did the mom where the mom's like, this is what he'd be doing all day, just on his phone. And then the boy just like flips her off and she goes, uh-uh. And then like some music hits when she said that. He's like, and she's like you did not or whatever that she responded and like he his response to the video is like he uh bumped the boobs up (laughs) it's just like "Uh uh-uh 
you guys lost your mind or whatever the, the quote was. It was really funny. But Lil Nas X always keeps us on keeps us on our toes with like how he responds to uh, everybody. I really absolutely loved his interview from I think it was like the shop where mm-hmm. a bunch of like old heads were interviewing him about his sexuality and really challenging him with it. And he really stood his grounds about like him being gay and like how it's, 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 it is what it is. And this is his personality. Not, he's not here to please what their expectations are. He's there to do his thing. Um, and like old heads, like, especially if you put them in like a comp in a space where there's a bunch of, um, he, he was like in that same space with Kevin Hart and a couple of other guys. And like he, Kevin Hart did a good job about just like being like, I don't care. Um, so that shows a little bit of growth and mindset even though Kevin Hart has a reputation back in the past that he had a little bit of an issue with the with a with the um, gay agenda, basically, and also um, just gay people. <laughs> the gay general. agenda, I love that. So, like a lot of what his um, sorry him his response is being not Kevin Hart but Lil Nas X mm-hmm. um, to the idea like people have been coming at him talking about oh like you're just pushing the gay agenda and oh like what are you doing to our children because most oh. of your his children i was just like so the uh, video itself classic yes the video itself was there was a lot of like heaven versus hell overtones um i didn't really read too much on like what the direction of the video is but it starts off with him kind of looks like like him in the garden of eden yeah so it's this religious persecution story but yeah and so he there's like a lot of color and then he meets the serpent and the serpent is um there to seduce him and like it works because they kind of have like a little like altercation but you can tell that that he I think he's also playing the serpent too so they're both kind of just like having an intimate moment and then the next thing shows him kind of walking the line of right before he he makes the decision of going to heaven and hell and there's a lot of like bright colors um kind of reminds me of like very neo like capital from the hunger games a little bit yes yes um very much the hunger games i think that was intentional he also (laughs) like spot on for using like spongebob reference material because he's literally just like he's patrick you know and and someone throws a rock at patrick and he's like standing in that little circle standing trial he's all chained up and he's dressed in like all pink i'm like bro we get it thank you you you're so pure you're so yeah and he's he's yeah he's so good he he puts in a lot of references because that's i mean i really like how he like makes an effort to just be like hey put this in like this is a reference because we pick up on it yeah so then the next scene shows that he is going to hell (laughs) no 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 he's going to heaven first Oh, yes. He's going to heaven first and he sees the light and he sees like the silhouette of an angel. But then like a pole appears and then he decides to actually like basically go down a stripper pole down to hell. And he goes all the way down to hell, hits the ground, and then he then encounters the devil. And what the scene that upset everybody was that he was giving the devil a lap dance. Like he was like... He got fucked by the devil. Like in the video, like he's bending over, he's on all fours. He's like, he's in front, like, bro, he's he's taking it. He's getting fucked by the devil. That's the thing. He fucks the devil in the video and people lost their minds. But and then he he becomes the devil too. Like, so he he's doing the thing with the devil, and then he goes around the devil, and then like he kills him and takes his horns and like kind of takes the throne. So 
that's where people got upset. Like a lot of Christians are like clutching their pearls being like, no, how dare this boy? Like who's his mother? You know? I was like, but also nobody was saying shit to Billie Eilish when she came out with her video and was all demonic and was just like, okay, you guys, I'm, you guys I mean, just don't like him because he's a gay black man and he's actually taken the story and the narrative that you guys keep throwing at him of, mm-hmm. oh, because you're gay, you're going to hell or, oh, because you're doing this, you're going to hell and has turned his life experience into art. And is that not what artists do? You're just yeah. commenting on your everyday living experience. And so if you don't like what you're seeing, you can turn off the TV. You can look away. Yeah. So he had a lot of clapbacks with the people who were kind of coming at him like, but what about the children, which has been like the recurring meme that happens with a lot of women who who do a lot of sexual acts um, as part of their performance, like Cardi and Meg were just were just punished or not punished, but they were judged for it. And before that, they were dragged. Yeah. for doing their songs on the Grammys. Yeah, and then there was also, like, you know, way before then, there was um, Katy Perry, like, I Kissed a Girl. And then before that was Madonna, Christina, Christina Aguilar, and Britney Spears, where they did that whole, like, marriage sequence as a performance. So they're just like, but the kids. But these artists aren't here to, to sur- not surveillance. No, these, <laughs> these, these. Surveil. No. No, no. These these artists aren't, they're not here to perform for your children. They're here to express themselves and to make I was like, Lil Nas X is not Doc McStuffins. So I'm not sure. So why are thought. we concerned here? Like if you're like, oh, my ch- I don't want my child watching this or doing that, then turn off the TV. And you know, it's funny, kids are gonna, we have this talk with, um, with the Paris, like kids are going to watch what they're gonna watch. It doesn't matter you as a parent, like what, like my kids are going to pick up this behavior. Well, think about how did you have kids? You know, like, I mean, there's many various stories about how you had kids. And I'm sure that some of those stories are not because like I innocently got married and had a child. No, there's a seduction that goes on before. Like you were trying to catch the guy that you're trying to get with. And I'm, yes, I'm talking in a female narrative and then you know, there's a lot of sexy time and a lot of like doing stuff. And then he sneezes inside you and then it's done. And then you might be pregnant. So I'm sorry. I'm going to have to stop you there. (laughs) I might vomit. Did you say sneezes inside of you? Sometimes I correlate coming with sneezing and that's just like my thing for some reason. I mean, it is kind of like it's sneeze, like it's, it's building, so it's like, it's, it's building up and then it splats. It's, it's there. <laughs> like, come has the consistency of snot. Let's be real. <laughs> Today in Just Nerdy News, did you know? I should put like a little like SpongeBob like transition page, like this podcast is not for the children or whatever. <laughs> Like even us doing this podcast and us talking about this, like if I have someone being like, my child listens to you. Well, my child listens, your child listens to me and and it's up to you as a parent to say like, hey, like you shouldn't be listening to this podcast and maybe listen to it. I don't think that we like, yeah. I wasn't wasn't done. Sorry. No, 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 it's okay. But it's also like, hey, like 
have a talk, educate your child, have a talk about like, you know, what is he doing on artistic form? If we're going back to Lil Nas's uh, performance, like what is this artistically? What is he actually expressing here? What is like, how does this correlate to being gay? Because like, yeah, sure. There's sexual overtones. Like, what is he doing? Why is that arousing? Like have these conversations with your kids. Don't just condemn it because, you know, with condemning and resisting, like your child is going to be more prone to wanting to see it. And that's like all of us. Like how many of us stayed up late at night watching Adult Swim, even though we were told not to watch it? We watched it anyway. The things that we're told not to do, we do it anyway to figure out why, the why of it, because we're never told the why. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, especially when you have people who are adults making content. And if you are expecting that they are making content based off of their own personal experiences, that their content is going to be told from the perspective of an adult. And it's, mm-hmm. if it is not specifically um, marketed to children, like, oh, I am making this for kids, then as an adult, you're an adult, you're grown, you get to make what you want to make. Like, it doesn't make sense that you would expect your fan base to mm-hmm. just be children or that if you are a performer that you would only cater to um, a certain age. To censor yourself in that way, um, I think can be really stifling creatively, but I also don't think that there's anything in there that is too out of touch or too risque, there's really, there's not like nudity. You know what I mean? If you actually look at what's what's being presented on screen um, artistically, there's layers of clothing, textures, animation. There's a lot going on in there visually. And yes, Mm -hmm. there may be some simulated acts, but the simulation is also not realistic. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in there that's just like, oh, I realistically did this. And I don't know. I just, uh, I, people need to get over themselves, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm tired of the, the lack of wanting to have in-depth conversations with your children and not preparing them for what actually happens in the world. Because sex and seduction and um, sex, seduction and performative being performative with um with your sexual acts like this has been so something that's been going on for a long time like before the parents time their parents time like brothel like let's talk about like brothels or sex work you know or um or you know women or even like men just trying to like you know bring people in and even like people who are looking for a partner it's the same thing like you know dancing like people who go out to clubs and just dance and like you know sometimes girls have a good time and like you know if there's a there's a song like back that ass up like you know everyone's gonna go ham and do the thing and like you know and there's there's always going to be some mag, like some sort of um not drive but you're lured in as somebody who might be interested, right? And so, and sure, like now we're, we're at a time now that we're working on the communication style of it, right? So like if, if what you're doing wasn't intended to attract somebody to have sex with or to 
potentially get like phase one of finding a partner. Uh, then the male then, bird shakes his tail feathers to attract the female. Yeah, right. <laughs> then yeah, like then that's when you you as a person have to vocalize saying like, oh no, that's not what I wanted. I was just having fun. Cause sometimes like we can just have fun with it. And maybe he was just having fun with it in, in the music video. You know, like, yeah, there's a story that's told in the music video. And that's what's great about the theatrics of it is like, this is a story in a musical format um, that is very short. And so, yeah, I just. And the message is valid. I think yeah, I mean, the I'm message is valid. of this anti-gay, you know, sentiment being marketed as like, oh, it's not okay for the children. And I, that's what I feel like it really is. I feel like Dude, heterosexuality really... has been pushed on us. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But heterosexuality. Yeah. I'm tired of this heterosexuality. <laughs> Goddamn air to normative. Yeah, because we've been we've been hit with it for so long. Like, you know, we see like Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo. Like, the only thing that kind of challenged the agenda a little bit was like Looney Tunes, where like. Bugs Bunny would like cross-dress but I oh, yes yeah. I actually just read an article about how Bugs Bunny was um originally envisioned as not necessarily um a trans character but he definitely is a trans icon but someone who is gender fluid because he's based mm -hmm. off of like old chaos gods and they mm -hmm. were always switching gender and always um playing with their their roles and how they dress and the behaviors and the mannerisms that could be a whole other thing but please <laughs> but yeah and even like the people who love who are just like oh i don't like that gay shit and the same people who watch friday or next friday let's talk about the sex scene in friday where that guy is wearing like a speedo with like like this is my little dude you know with the like with the chick in the bed like that's that's sexual how come he didn't get any pushback you know in good girls like which is a current show that girl is like basically like all over Rio how come that's not being considered like taboo so like this whole like double standard with sexualities it's just it's just the heteros getting upset like <laughs> and and not being understanding and not feeling like brave enough to have these conversations with their kids true but also you mentioned Dexter's laboratory and all I could think of was Dexter's mom and that ass though that ass they though. were wild at that show they were wild dude Cartoon Network with the parents are always wild and for some reason. Like, I don't know why she just had the biggest ass in the world. And then that episode with the bikini, goddamn. And you would always see her from Dexter's point of view. So it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. All right, let's go on to the ner just nerdy segment as we're get kind of getting closer to a close of the podcast. So I didn't really have much, but I did want to share uh, shout outs to Kitu Katu, my boy Cameron's company. I'm wearing his nice uh, shirt here, which I will go ahead and kind of bring the camera down. Yes, bring the camera down. No, just bring <laughs> the camera down. No, but, but like, no, like he, it's a nice comfy shirt. It's very breathable. It comes in a very nice professional packaging to kind of keep the integrity of the collar. It's Sega themed. Um, it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's Sega themed. So you have little controllers on here. You have the little Kitukatu uh, logo lady. That's inspiration from his wife, Alyssa, uh, and you have little stars and all that stuff. So it's very cute. I love the color. Uh, so, you know, Cameron sold out. 
he sold out after a week of like having this shirt out. So like he kind of gave us like the little quick preview, like this is my new stuff. And then he just completely like sold out. And, and it was, it was a very expensive shirt. Like unfortunately, Cameron, <laughs> it was 75 bucks to purchase, but it, it is a very nice shirt. So if, um, if you yeah, ever say, go ahead. He does have multiple sizes. So his sizes go from small to I think triple X large. I was gonna say I will definitely be getting a, a shirt but also like quality um is something that I will consider if I'm gonna spend like that amount of money on a shirt mm-hmm. the quality has to be there and it's just like the collar your buttons like mm-hmm. the seaming the cut of the shirt like it's a it's a quality shirt I, I feel like you'll probably be like wearing that shirt for a long time yeah and I feel like it's one of those shirts that I can wear in the workplace so like of course I would have to button another one up but like I can wear it over I can put a blazer over it I can tuck it into a skirt and make it look really nice like it's it's really professional quality workwear and I and I think what I what I really like about this is I think this is a good direction for a lot of nerd wear since a lot of us are older I am trying to wear more nerd stuff in the workplace because the work um because I want to keep a sense of my own identity but I don't want to make it unprofessional right so I saw some blazers a while back ago where like if you open it up the inside had like you know Pokemon patterns um and I'm also trying to put like you know you bought me that Dragon Ball Z shirt Kylie and like I wear that with like a jacket over it so I'm trying to find ways to kind of like feel kind of true to myself to keep it kind of the norm um but of course I don't want to look like what people think like I don't want to look messy at work you know look like Kylie when she goes to work dressed like Kakashi no I do girl I have zero that wasn't what I was thinking. No, I just don't want to be caught with like the baggy jeans and like the like the nasty band shirt, like aesthetic, like what you wore in middle school, and that was considered nerdy. So like I just want to make now I just want to kind of posh it up a little bit, you know? Posh it up, darling. You've been <laughs> polished. You've so yeah, it. shout out to Cameron uh kitukatu.com to try to see if you can get one of these. Again, he said he was sold out, so maybe he might stock up with another set. Uh, but Kylie, what about, uh, Zero? Yes. So Netflix is bringing Zero to their series. It's going to be, I want to say April 21st is Mm going to be when they are releasing it. And it's really interesting because there's not too many stories that are out like this. And it's written by, um, a black Italian and it's Mm -hmm. an Italian series, um, I'm, I know my pronunciations, like, please don't drag me. All right. Antonio Di Stefano, I want to say is okay. how that's pronounced. Um, he is native to Italy and is, used to be a rapper. Um, he's a writer, but telling his story as um, a Black Italian is important because there's not that much representation for Black individuals in Italy. Um, Mm-hmm. even within Italy itself so yeah because if you think of Italy you own. think of oh sorry Kylie if you no, think of ahead. Italy you think of those who are white passing and then there's always the um I always keep hearing this dumb like North Italy South Italy but if you're Southern Italian that you're a little bit darker because of the ocean and the sun or whatever but yeah you don't really hear of black Italians which is like we, we it's crazy that we don't because you know Hello, look at where they are. Um, 
there's Africans all over the continent, which you talk about. But he's a second generation, I want to say, okay. um, Italian. And so the story is basically, you know, there's um, a Black Italian superhero by Zero. And um, his name is Zero. And he will learn how to open up to the world and how to love and you just follow his experience. And I think it's really important um, that we continue to support Black creatives from other places, from other continents, from other countries, other cultures, especially because Italy does have a, a racist history. They used to call, you know, refer to Black people as like chocolate. People like, are you made of chocolate? Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit like that. So I think you have a, a kind of a similar experience um, being Black in Japan. I think people don't also think about like being Black in Italy as kind of the same. Where Yeah, no, a lot of countries. Beautiful. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, and this is like the whole white supremacist thing, right? Like everyone thinks like you're a violent racist when you're a white supremacist. No, it's the perception of areas that you're not considering that there's darker complected folks that live in those regions, you know, like that was- or- go ahead or that you're not really like Italian enough like because you're black you're not really Italian you're actually something else you know like that kind of idea or that you wouldn't associate blackness with Italy absolutely yeah yeah that's Um, that's the thing that everyone forgets I feel like especially with like like everyone's like it's just racism and it's just America and it's just those who are getting lynched no it's it's more than that it's the fact that how white is perceived and where where other deaf, like definitely pigmented people, especially black people are perceived and and erased from culture as the representative. Yes, the erasure. So I'm just, um, yay Netflix, you're doing a good thing. (laughs) You're doing great. You're making people visible. And I think that's that's absolutely uh, amazing. so moving along to, we don't really have a, um, a call to action this week, but we do have, um, we do have a follow-up. So uh, Jonathan Chen's um, grandmother uh, who launched, uh, no, actually John Chen launched this GoFundMe for his grandma uh, who was attacked in San Francisco. I have a name, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce it, but Shaoshen Shi. Uh, she was a 75-year-old woman who was punched by a white man in San Francisco and beat the shit out of the guy who attacked her. Uh, she basically raised, what's funny is like the moment I put the link on our podcast last week, that woman already raised half a million dollars. Now it's a million dollars that has been donated to her, her medical expenses. So congratulations to her making making uh, making sure that she's covered essentially because that's, fuck, that's absolutely fucked up. Like, to be attacked after that major attack in Atlanta is like unbelievable. And the attacks are continuing in San Francisco. So she's looking to donating that money towards initiatives that are protecting Asian lives. Um, And that's basically what I have in the story. Uh, What's really sad is like the more, I see more and more studies of, um, of more people getting attacked. Like there was a Vietnamese guy who uh, was attacked and he was a Vietnamese um, immigrant. And it's really sad for him to say that he got 300,000 in donations, which is great. But like, he was like, yeah, I also endured like 17 years of, I endured 17 years of being in a concentration camp during the Vietnam war. 
And so if I, if there's that, then I'm going to survive this attack. But it's sad that he has to reference that. And there's also other stories where there was a, um, an Asian governor who stood up and took off his shirt. Showed his scars. Showed his scars because he served the United States America um, military and he went to war for us and he's saying like this is my patriotism and the people who are attacking me where is theirs you know so it's absolutely devastating to see that these people who are trying to live their best life in this country are still getting attacked by these fucking weird like I almost said nationalists I'm not gonna say that but maybe just the supremacists like right like that's what we're going to call them who think it's okay to just attack people who they assume are vulnerable and people that they're not willing to um you know empathize or understand yes um i've been seeing a lot of videos um that have been wonderful preaching solidarity coming from both the black community and the asian communities you know, you know, I'm seeing videos being made by Asian creatives who are like, you know, Black Lives Matter and like we stand with Black Lives Matter. I'm seeing Black creatives create videos for, you know, stop Asian hate. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful um, that our relationships will improve amongst all the communities of color that mm -hmm. we will be able to band together. I really also appreciate um, the fact that people are, are making videos and recognizing that because our movements are different mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we don't stand in solidarity with each other. Right. Um, you know, people aren't all of a sudden going to be saying like Asian lives matter and using that against Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Right. Like, no, we're not doing that. Nobody's doing that. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find this article that keep keep going, Kylie. But like, I'm trying to find this article that this woman posted on LinkedIn the other day that I was really, really, absolutely happy about. Um, like, she is an is an Asian woman who acknowledges the differences of movements, mm -hmm. um, and and I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable, but I had a hard time with the Stop Asian Hate movement at first because yeah. there was a lot of um, statements saying, say her name, say their names, which is, an, which is the same statement of, of the black movement of saying their names, stop saying a black life killed, but saying like Trayvon Martin or Tamir Rice or George Floyd and say her name, which is Sandra Bland and Breonna Taylor um, and all these women who are impacted by the system um, and like we brought that up because it, like I said earlier, the erasure of these issues, um, because it's just like, oh, it's another black life. So it just, it, it makes it seem like it doesn't matter when it really does, like these inv individuals matter, but it also brings attention to a larger issue. And so I, I'm trying to find her name, but like she, she did, she, as an Asian woman, she was saying like, I really absolutely love the fact that we created a thing called like Stop Asian Hate but do not use Asian lives matters because that it looks could, a lot like all lives matter. And also, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but it's definitely like, one I of mean, those, it does when you're just hashtag a, you know what I mean? Like Asian lives matter. If you're just doing the hashtag ALM. Looks yeah. Like all it it, 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 it kind of turns into like one of those things where like, 
it it takes away from the black voice and so yeah. she was saying we're we don't want to take away from the black voice because we understand that the history behind the black experience is well rooted from the the conception of this country and so i don't think she said it like that but she's like no black lives still matter black lives always matter but also let's stop Asian hate and let's try to fight this together and she, and there was another statement that I also saw that there's this whole pitting against each other it's like no we need to be better and stand in solidarity with each other yeah um, um I think um I have in the beginning of like black lives matter there was Hawaii was also doing going through um some similar issues and I really love the um, alliance and the recognition um, mm -hmm. when other cultures are like, oh no, we are basing our movement off of the civil rights leaders um, who came before us, off of the Angela Davises, you know, off of the Martin Luther Kings, off of this model of protesting in America. And you can take this model and apply it mm -hmm. to your community and it does not diminish and it does not um, right. Lessen the impact of another movement as long as you are able and willing to acknowledge that that is where you got your model from. You know, it's just like cultural appropriation. You can appreciate something, um, but you have to give, you know, recognition and you have to give credence where credence is due. And so, for these movements to be operating in the space and to be aware enough that they are operating in, in other people's spaces, because I think that's also what happens is people get so close-minded and so on track about their movement and what's affecting them personally that they forget what's affecting other people around them and so this is just this is just great i think eventually we'll i'm seeing a shift honestly in in the relationships between people of color yeah i found the statement from the woman her name's d fam uh she is a modern nomad researching uh socio-ecological uh, ecological systems. So um, I started following her on, on LinkedIn because I like all the things that she's posted and it's always nice to just see what other people are doing, um, even if I don't really know them. But she basically said, can we stop using Say Her Name and Asian Lives Matters, please? Yes, it's important to acknowledge, mourn, and honor the victims of this hate crime, but it is important, inappropriate to do so by co-opting from the Black community who have dedicated years to building these movements. Say her name belongs to Black women. Why do you need to say Asian Lives Matter as if Black Lives Matter didn't already include us? This is kind of disrespect that go, that makes it so hard for, by, for BIPOC as a whole to make progress against white supremacy. It fuels animosity between marginalized groups and the oppressor didn't even have to lift a finger as we fight among ourselves. There's a lot of confusion, fear, pain, and outrage from the traumatic experience we're all trying to, that we're all trying to process. You must stay vigilant and on what's true to justice looks like and remember they want us divided. I ask that you take some time to reflect on the anti-blackness and colonizer mindset of this re reactive behavior and how it contributes to the horrors we see time and time and again, like this week's shooting. Thank you, hashtag stop Asian hate. So I really liked that, um, that there was an acknowledgement and I also saw other acknowledgements from other black or from other Asian um, folks who say like, we need to focus on our movement without taking away the voices from the black movement. Um, but also like it brings it brings us together more because I also see other postings from black people saying like, we need to stand up, we need to stand up for our, for our Asians, brothers and sisters and not disregard that they are going through it too, um, which is really nice. Um, 
I say nice like it's casual. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> no, it's nice. You're nice. It's fine. But yeah, like I'm glad that donations were flourishing for for uh, for that woman in San Francisco. Um, I'm sorry that some of the Vietnamese community is reliving another nightmare um, because that was definitely rough on them during the Vietnam War. And same thing with the Japanese community as well, having to relive another hate nightmare. Um, it's not something that is really, um, you know, it's just, it, we're always fighting. <laughs> we're always fighting to make sure that we need to keep it so then that, that way the world isn't fueled by white supremacists, basically. Um, moving along, I do want to give a big um, shout out to my cousin. Yeah, I was going to say, can we talk about the work that your cousin is doing? And, yeah. Uh... So my cousin, Mariana Dorsey, she is a now a certified yoga instructor as well as an ASL teacher. Um, so she uh, is from Monterey, more proper like Pacific Grove area. And she does videos of yoga while signing at the same time. So she signs the next movement and will instruct the class and caters to those who can't hear. So it's, she's starting off pretty small, um, but her Instagram is called Signing Soul. She will announce when her classes are happening. She has free classes every so often she will charge, but like she will announce the free classes so that way you can get in on it. Um, and yeah, she's, and my cousin's always been like such a sweetheart. Like she's always been like very proactive with school and she's always just happy-go-lucky. She was also one of the kids that used to skate at Del Monte um, skating rink. Yeah. Back, in the, back in the day so uh, but yeah like I think this is great because like she's providing access for those who probably haven't had access before or probably found it difficult to do these yoga programs because it's so based on the teacher being vocal about the next steps instead of showing I mean there is a little bit of showing too as well okay because it's yoga it's movement but to be able to have to watch and then do it and then see for someone to tell you like in mid pose, like this is the next step with their hands. So then that way better, makes a better flow. Um, so yeah, I'm proud of you, Mariana. Um, I'm so proud of you, like, black yoga instructors. Yes. <laughs> mm. So so yeah, follow her on Signing Soul. Um, it's It sounds as it's spelled, it's, it's spelled as it sounds. So Signing Soul, all one word, and you guys can follow her there. Yes, I just did. She's awesome. I already like her page. She's got a free class on there. We're doing the pigeon pose. Get doing it. the pigeon pose. <laughs> We're doing the pigeon pose. <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, do you have anything else, Kylie? No. Um, thank you for anybody who's listening. But I just want to take the time to thank you. Because this space that we have um, together where we get to share our thoughts like means the world to me. The outside world is so stressful and like this is really like our our time this is my time to like decompress this is my time to share my ideas and my thoughts and to talk to somebody that I know um understands where I'm coming from and so thank you no love and you. You're thank you my life thank you for being so collaborative and being wanting to you know be on the podcast with me this is this is a project that I thought was like a cute thing but it turned into such a bigger thing that I was like oh my gosh, I need, 
I, I'm like, I didn't know how to find support. And then you came along and then I'm like, wow, she really supports me through this. So thank you. Like, thank you for like, you know, just adding the pizzazz, adding the, adding the richness to this. So thank you so much. Like I enjoy your time too. Don't worry, guys. We're still gonna be here. Yeah, it's not a we're still gonna episode. be. We're not. It's not a goodbye episode. Anyway, where? Who are we? What are we doing? Thank you for listening. We oh, yeah. learned sings the blues. Where can yeah. they find us, woman? You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Pods, and YouTube. Real quick, I forgot to say this. So I had a real bad hiccup with uh, YouTube uh, recently. No, no, no. My computer, not YouTube. So the episode with Daniel McRae, I'm hoping I can have that published tomorrow as well as this episode that I'm talking about right now published. Me too, because I was looking for it. I was like, why isn't it on YouTube yet? No, no, <laughs> and I, I'm i in the process of transitioning to new equipment. Uh, so kudos to Cash. Uh, he gave me a new computer. Um, <laughs> and unstable. <laughs> I know, he's, he's great. Uh, and so the next step is I need to get a webcam so that way I can fully transition, but I still need to get everything off of this old computer. And that's gonna be the Danielle episode as well. So I'm working through it. I just took a second because I my computer is not very strong to process videos um, because I've had it since 2015. So I'm hoping um, I can get that all situ situated. Um, situated. But yeah, like, um, so sorry about that. I will be more consistent um, and hopes that with this new computer, I can do more stuff. So like I can do more streaming things or I can maybe think about doing a Twitch. Haven't figured it out yet, but stay tuned, I guess. Twitch. But yeah, so yeah, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Don't Cast and Drive. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram at Lady Blurts Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter separately. So you can find me at finally sometimes V. So sometimes double underscore V and Kylie on. And you can also find Kylie on Twitter as Too Smart Kai. Spelled yeah. as K-A-I. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I think this was a great episode to have. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you guys next time. Bye.